Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. Is anybody thankful this morning that we worship a resurrected Savior? The fact that Jesus is alive. Come on, I think we can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience the power of his resurrection. And I'm so excited that you're here this morning. And I'm excited uh, for this uh, time leading into Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I believe that God is going to do something special in our midst. And I just want to be a part of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what God is going to do over the next several weeks. And uh, looking forward to what God is going to do today uh, with our time together. And uh, thank you again for being here. You can go ahead and find a seat this morning. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and go to uh, the book of Daniel. And uh, we'll be in Daniel chapter number 5 this morning. And I wanted to make mention of uh, two uh, events that are coming up. And, and uh, didn't Rakia and Matt do a great job of letting us know about Rock the City? That was good. I think we need to do that every week. Uh, two events that I wanted to make mention of. Uh, one is uh, next week um, on Sunday night, March 18th, we're having a team night at 6, six o'clock. And uh, if you're wondering who, who team night is for, it's for everybody. I want to invite you to come on out, join us for team night. It's going to be a fun night. We're going to uh, play some games, have a few worship songs, and uh, really we're going to have a night of training. And so if you're on a team serving in any capacity, or if you're not on a team um, and you'd like to be or just like to have more information or just want to be a part of a fun night, I want to encourage you to be here for team night next Sunday night at six o'clock and I know that you'll be glad that you came to that and uh, the other uh, event that I wanted to to announce this morning is on March 24th we're having our first ever invite night for our teenagers Rock Hill Youth Culture and uh, yeah we're very excited about that and uh, we're meeting at the uh, Heritage Community Center in Fontana and it's going to be uh, at seven o'clock on Saturday night March 24th and uh, and uh, really this is an opportunity for our teenagers which a lot of times we don't see what they do on on a weekly basis, but on Sundays every week, Daniel Foster leads our teenagers uh, in, in the room back here, and, and uh, they do a great job every week, and we want to give them an opportunity to have a special night where they can invite their friends and be a light uh, in their schools and in their uh, uh, circle of influence, and so uh, we're praying that God will use uh, that invite night in a great way, so if you have a teenager, know a teenager, are a teenager, uh, spread the word for invite night, March 24th, and uh, it's going to be a great night, and if you'd like to just be a part of that night, we're going to need some volunteers and uh, and uh, some ushers and some greeters and some, and some people to help serve uh, pizza and all kinds of things. And I want to encourage you, uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, to, to see me or Julie or Daniel or ask somebody how you can be a part of that. How many of you believe it's important that we invest into the next generation? How many of you believe that? And so I, I, want, I want our church family to rally behind this event and uh, do our part to spread the word. That's on March 24th, invite night for our teenagers and uh, greatly 
Looking forward to that. Well, today we're going to be in week number four of our series, Culture Shock. And uh, how many of you have learned something throughout this series? Can I see your hands? You've learned something uh, in our time together. And uh, week one, we talked about identity crisis and how the enemy wants to uh, redefine us and change who we are. And uh, week two, we talked about playing with fire and the importance of having convictions and, and, uh, and standing up uh, for our convictions and what we believe in. And uh, last week, we talked uh, about the pride problem uh, from the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, today, I'm going to uh, do my best to speak to this subject, no time to lose, no time to lose. And I want to talk about the God-given time that we have been entrusted with. And uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter number five uh, this morning, and we'll read a few verses to get started. And we're going to cover, again, the entirety of this chapter like we did last week. Uh, But for sake of time, we'll read a few verses this morning and uh, have a word of prayer. If you're there in Daniel chapter number five, would you say amen? If you're ready uh, to hear uh, from the Word of God today, would you say amen? Amen. All right. The Bible says this in verse number one, Belshazzar. Everybody say Belshazzar. Belshazzar. The king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple out of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine, and they praised the gods of gold and of silver of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour, everybody say the same hour. hour. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall uh, of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, verse number six, and the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that his joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. We'll go ahead and pause right there. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open and ready. We'll uh, jump back to these verses often this morning. Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this day you've given us. And uh, God, thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you this morning. Thank you for uh, the worship this morning that was directed to you, God. We just I want to praise you continually and thank you for the good things that you've done in our lives. And God, I pray that for the next few minutes as we look to Daniel chapter number five this morning, I pray that we can uh, have open minds and open hearts ready to receive what you'd have for us today. And uh, God, I pray that we can uh, learn something that would be beneficial for us and uh, helpful to us. And uh, we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, How many of you find it difficult to keep track of time? Can I see your hand? Difficult to keep track of time? And uh, I don't know if you're like me. I can be easily distracted and it seems like time just flies by. And I'm like, man, where did the day go? And uh, time definitely goes by quick. And I was reading this week that uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4, just came out with a new uh, software, this new update. And uh, it was kind of this built-in feature that, that they designed for parents that's called Playtime Management. And uh, uh, the whole idea behind this uh, video game software, this playtime management, was so that the parents can set a certain amount of time that their children can play video games. And if they exceed that time limit, the parents can just go ahead and shut it off right in the middle of the game. And so all the parents are thinking, that's a great idea. And all the kids are feeling betrayed, like, come on, PlayStation, I thought you had my back. You know, uh, what is this about? 
And uh, it is important in life to uh, learn how to keep track of our time. And I think we could all agree this morning and all come to an understanding that, that in life, our most precious commodity is time. And so often, it is so easy to lose track of it. And the Bible gives us warning after warning and, and uh, reminder after reminder to guard and to protect uh, the time that God has given us. Because if we do not carefully steward the time that God has given us, then we will eventually squander the time that God has given us never to get it back. And the Bible says this in uh, Psalm chapter 89, verse number 47, remember how short my time is. How short my time is, wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What, what is the purpose of my life, the, the short uh, period of time that you've given me? So life is short. I was reading this week that uh, uh, actress uh, Katie Cassidy, her father died a few months ago, and she went on Twitter, and she talked about her father's uh, death on, on Twitter, and she said this. I believe we have it on the screens this morning. Uh, words can't express the solace our family uh, our families receive from all the love and support during this time. Uh, my father's last words were, so much wasted time. This will be a daily reminder for me to share my gratitude with those I love and to never waste another minute. Thank you. And so often the brevity of life is a fact that we choose to overlook. And the Bible, again, time and time again, tells us to be aware and to be conscious of the time that, that, that God has given us. And, uh, and many times, rather than guard the time that God has given us, we live like there's no tomorrow. We pursue after pleasures that are temporary. And we seek after satisfaction that is only short-lived. And we live as if there's no tomorrow, and we don't have a consciousness of the time that God has given us. I read that Americans spend on average five hours per day watching TV. Now, if you add that up, that's 76 days a year that we spend watching TV. And see, what happens is if we're not careful, wasted time will turn into wasted days, which will eventually lead to a wasted life. And we come to Daniel chapter number five this morning, and really the overall theme of Daniel chapter number five is a wasted life. Uh, we're introduced to a man named Belshazzar, and, and uh, he is now uh, uh, the ruling emperor here in Babylon. And, and uh, the time that takes place between Daniel chapter number four and Daniel chapter number five is about 23 years. And so there was many transitions that had taken place. Nebuchadnezzar is no longer on the scene. Now it's uh, this man named Belshazzar, and he's come to reign, and his life is characterized by wasted time. And Belshazzar is an interesting character in history because for years, uh, uh, critics of the Bible and, and secular historians, they doubted the validity and uh, the identity of this man, Belshazzar. They, 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 for years, did not think that he was a real person because the only account that we had of him for years was found in Scripture. And there was no outside other uh, historical documents confirming the life of Belshazzar. By the way, even if all we had was the record of the Bible, we can go ahead and believe it because the Bible is true and trustworthy and reliable. Uh, but in the 1800s, they were doing this uh, archaeolog archaeological uh, dig, and they were doing some excavation in Iraq, and, and uh, they were at the ziggurat of Ur, this famous place, and they were doing these excavations. And, and while they were uh, digging up all these things, they found these cylinders. And I believe we have a picture of one of them this morning. They found these cylinders that are known as the Nabonidus cylinders. And on these were inscriptions that were dated all the way back to the Babylonian era. And so this was an amazing discovery, this amazing find that they came across. And on one of the cylinders, it says this. As for me, Nabonidus, king of Babylon, 
save me from sinning against your great Godhead and grant me as a present of a, 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 a lifelong of days. And as for Belshazzar, the eldest son, my offspring, instill reverence for your great Godhead in his heart, and may he not commit any cultic mistake. May he be uh, sated with a life of plentitude. And so these cylinders that they found add validity to the historicity, to the, to the uh, history of the Word of God, the accuracy of Scripture. And I just want to remind you this morning that the Word of God is reliable. The Word of God is dependable. The Word of God is not just some outdated book of antiquity. These are the very words of eternal life. This is God's word, we can trust it every single time. And so, so these cylinders, these Nabonidus cylinders, they reveal a lot. We know that Nabonidus was the king of Babylon. His son was named Belshazzar. Now, it's important to note because as we study Daniel chapter number five, we're going to see that Nebuchadnezzar is called the father of Belshazzar. Well, according to this document, these cylinders, actually Nabonidus was the father of, of Belshazzar. And so what's taking place here? We have to understand that in the Hebrew language and in the language of the Chaldeans, there was no word for grandfather. There is no word for grandfather or great-grandfather, and so they would often just say father, referring to uh, one of these things. And so Nebuchadnezzar was the grandfather of Belshazzar. And so we have Nebuchadnezzar, then Nabonidus, and then Belshazzar. Are you following with me this morning? Okay, so that's kind of the family tree, a little history lesson for you. And so we are introduced to this character, Belshazzar, and he is characterized by wasted time. He, he, he lived for the moment instead of eternity. He lived for pleasure rather than purpose, and he lived for the here and now, and he ended up making some grave mistakes. Mistakes, and, and we have a great lesson this morning that we can learn from, from him. And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to talk about how to make the most of the time that God has given us. How many of you would say, that's the desire of my heart. I want to make the most of the time that God has given me. Anybody like that this morning? I want to make sure that I'm redeeming the time and uh, stewarding the time that God has given me. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, see then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Everybody say redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so as followers of Jesus today, we have to make sure that we are investing, stewarding the time that God has given us. We have no time to lose. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I'd like to just give us five simple and uh, very practical ways that we can make sure that we are making the most out of the time that God has given us. And so if you'd like to take notes this morning, number one, the first principle I see is this. Protect your heart and mind from harmful influences. If you have a Bible, go ahead and look at verse number one. Protect your heart and mind from harmful influences. If you're there at verse number one, would you say amen? Amen. All right. It says this, Belshazzar the king made a great feast, a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. And so uh, this uh, narrative begins with Belshazzar, the uh, ruling emperor of Babylon. He is uh, throwing this great feast, this great party in uh, the historical context of Daniel chapter number five is extremely important to note because uh, uh, Herodotus, the Greek historian, uh, he, he tells us, or, or, or the ancient historian, excuse me, he tells us that the Medes and the Persians outside the city in the night in which Belshazzar had his feast. And so what history tells us is the Medes and the Persians were actually taking over the world and they were attacking the city of Babylon the very night that Belshazzar is throwing this party. And uh, Nabonidus, the father of Belshazzar, he's out fighting against the Medes and the Persians. Well, history tells us that he loses. And so they're, they're actually outside of the walls and uh, they're getting ready to attack. And Belshazzar knew all of this. And what does he decide to do? Throw a party. Belshazzar was very, very cocky, very comfortable. 
And uh, he, he was not worried. He, he, was, he was thinking, we're fine. No one's going to uh, penetrate these walls. Uh, no one is going to be able to infiltrate into our city. Uh, these are impenetrable. We're fine. And he was comfortable. And I found that in life, often when we are the most comfortable, we are the most vulnerable. When we think that we're okay, and we think that we've got everything figured out, we've got things under control, that is when we need to proceed with caution. That is when we need to walk circumspectly, the Bible says, to walk very carefully. And here is Belshazzar, and he's thinking, yeah, I know the enemy is outside. I know the Medes and the Persians, they're, they're, they're conquering all of these other places, but there's no way they're going to get through our walls. Our walls are 90 feet, uh, uh, 90 feet thick. They, they, were, they were 400 feet tall. There's no way that they're going to penetrate. There's no way that they can uh, hurt us. And so he decides to throw this party. Now, this party that Belshazzar throws, it is not just your average everyday get-together, okay? Uh, the party that Belshazzar throws is, is probably the uh, largest and uh, grandest party in all of history. Uh, the only party that could compare to this party in Daniel chapter number 5 is, is a party uh, that we see in Esther chapter number 1 where King Ahasuerus throws uh, this feast and this banquet that, last, uh, that lasted six months. And uh, so that's quite the party, right? It was six months strong. And uh, this, this, this party, this feast, this banquet was even uh, grander than that. Uh, historians say that parties of this nature, they would import uh, the, the most expensive wines and the most expensive foods. And, and uh, 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 the, the banquet hall there in Babylon was, was 1,700 feet wide, and it was a mile long. And history tells us that every uh, so often, every so often of a distance, there was uh, these four thousand pillars that were carved out of out of stone. They were carved into the shape of elephants. And so you have this like grand, epic banquet room, the, all these elephants. I think Belshazzar would have loved Rainforest Cafe. You know, they got elephants in there. And uh, he, he, he just sets it out. This is just like this amazing over-the-top party where they're bringing in all of this food. In fact, some historians say they were killing a, a thousand. They were slaughtering a thousand animals a day to feed everyone. And so Belshazzar is on top of the world. He's 36 years old in Daniel chapter number 5, and he's got no worries. I don't care if the Medes and Persians are attacking us. I don't care what's going on. We're, we're fine. Let, let's party. Let's live it up. And this party that he threw was characterized by four things that we see in verses 1 through 4. And these four things are the things that we need to protect our hearts and our minds from these influences. I want to mention them uh, briefly. And so if you have your Bible ready, let's look at these four verses and see what are the influences that we need to be protected from. The first thing that I see is intoxication. Every single verse, in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, every single one mentions wine. Now, this was not just moderate wine drinking. This was over-the-top drunkenness. History will tell us that they, they were getting absolutely drunk. They were getting absolutely uh, wasted. They, they were going over the top. This intoxication was, was everywhere. Now, this, this message is not a message on uh, let's debate alcohol, but the Bible does th say this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And so the Bible makes it pretty clear that we can be deceived by alcohol. It can be very deceptive. Uh, when we start to think, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal, it can uh, deceive us. According to the National Institute of Al Alcohol Abuse, uh, an estimated 88,000 people die every year from alcohol-related causes uh, annually. And so this makes alcohol the third leading preventable cause of death in the United States. According to some of these uh, statistics from their website, in 2010, alcohol misuse cost the United States $249 billion. About 7.7 .7 million people ages 12 to 20 reported drinking alcohol in the past month, underage drinking. 
And so clearly this was something that was a problem in Belshazzar's day, but clearly it's a problem in our day. We have, we have uh, millions of underage drinkers that say, yeah, I drank last month, and it's just kind of something that's not a big deal. And the Bible says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you're filled with something else. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient all th- or helpful. All, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul said, yeah, I might have some freedom and some liberty to do some certain things, but that doesn't mean it's going to be helpful for me. I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. I'm not going to be brought under the influence of anything. I'm not going to let anything else control me, dominate me. Why? Because I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The word filled in the New Testament always meant total dominance nation, overflowing. He said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so I don't want to be filled with anything else. Are we doing okay this morning? Intoxication is the first thing that characterized this party. The second thing was immorality. Notice it in verse number two. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold, golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. And so normally in ancient culture, the wives and the concubines would not be uh, invited to a party like this, to a banquet, to a feast like this. They, they would not uh, be able to attend. But when you are getting this drunk, and when things are getting this out of hand, they bring in uh, uh, the women, and you can uh, read about it, and you can pick up your average commentary and read what was taking place in this party, and we don't even have time to go through it all today, uh, nor do we need to, but all kinds of perversion and debauchery and wickedness was taking place at this, at this party and at this feast. Immorality was everywhere. Things were getting out of control, out of hand. The Bible tells us this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. The word fornication is just any sexual activity outside of the context of marriage. And so this party was, was characterized by intoxication. Everyone's getting drunk. Immorality, everybody's sleeping together, doing whatever they want. The third thing that I see is irreverence. Notice it in verse number three. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. So what they do next is, Belshazzar says, okay, uh, it's not enough that we're just doing all this. We need to take this party to the next level. And so he says, you know, I remember my grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he went and he invaded uh, Jerusalem, and they brought all the, uh, all the uh, items and the vessels and the cups and the goblets from, uh, from uh, the temple of God, and he put them in storage. Well, let's go get those. Let's bring them back out. And so they went and got the holy items, and they bring them out and to, as if to mock God. God, as if to mock the God of Israel, they said, let's go ahead and drink out of these and let's just live it up and shake our fist at God. And this is the definition of sacrilege, taking something that is holy and making it profane. And so here we have this irreverence. He had no respect for the things of God, and this party is getting further and further out of control. And the fourth thing that I see that characterizes this party is idolatry, and it's in verse number four. They drank wine, and they praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. This is the party that Belshazzar is throwing. Intoxication, immorality, irreverence, and idolatry. The Bible says this in Proverbs 15, verse number 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Can I just encourage you this morning to protect your heart and mind from harmful influences? Can I just encourage you, parents, to protect your children from from harmful influences? 
don't have the mindset that says, well, they're going to be exposed to it anyways. No, let's, let's guard our hearts. Let's protect ourselves. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep thine heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We need to protect our hearts and minds and protect ourselves from uh, these outside influences. Chip Ingram, he said this, we must recognize how the evil one is working in this world and take a firm stance against him. It means that we take careful thought concerning what we put in our minds, what we listen to, what we watch, and how we use our time. And we should not avoid these harmful influences because we're trying to get God to love us. We don't do this out of obligation or because we have to. No, but when we consider how much God loves us, in spite of everything that we've done, in spite of us rejecting God and rebelling against God and going our own way, in spite of all that, all that, the fact that God sent his son to die for us, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In, in, in light of all that God has done for us and his wonderful, uh, uh, amazing, beautiful grace, we ought to say, you know what? That grace should produce in me a desire to live a holy life and a desire to protect myself from harm influences that are going to ultimately lead to destruction. And here's Belshazzar with not a care in the world, but his party is about to be over before he knows it. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, the enemy, the ultimate plan is destruction. There is pleasure in sin for a season, no doubt. But the ultimate plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, let me, let me tell you something. Jesus said this, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, Jesus does not say, hey, avoid some of these things because I'm trying to keep you from fun. No, Jesus is trying to give us maximum pleasure. He's trying to give us maximum satisfaction. He's not trying to uh, take things away from us to make us not happy. No, he wants to give us real joy. See, God has a better plan. God has a better way. He's not trying to just keep us from things so that we have to live a boring life. No, he wants us to live the best life, an abundant life. And so we've got to protect ourselves from these harmful influences. Now, the party was raging. It was getting out of control. And then something kind of creepy happens in verse number five. Everybody doing okay this morning? Verse number five. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote and so everybody's partying everybody's doing all their different things and then all of a sudden out of nowhere this this hand shows up god in a supernatural way just kind of intervenes in the story this hand shows up and and he writes something on the wall and this would have been very frightening the bible says under the candlestick that meant that it was it was at the uh, place in the palace where everybody could see it it was well lit and uh, this is where, uh, how many of you are familiar with the saying that the handwriting is on the wall? How many of you have heard that before? Okay. We get that idiom or that expression from Daniel chapter number five. Um, this is where, this is the story where we get that saying, the handwriting is on the wall. This, this God intervenes in a supernatural way, this miraculous way, this hand shows up. And I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of like to use my imagination when I think about Bible stories. Like, you know, what did that look like, you know, the hand that just kind of showed up. And I thought maybe it looked like the old show on the Adams Family. How many of you remember The Thing? You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe that's what showed up. I don't know. Maybe it was like a foam finger that kind of showed up, something like that. I thought maybe an emoji, you know, like a little emoji fingers. I don't know. But whatever it was, whatever it looked like, the fingers that showed up, it absolutely terrified the people at the party. Notice verse number six. And then the king's countenance was changed. Yeah, I think so. He sobered up real quick. 
the king's countenance was changed and, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. His knees were knocking. He is scared out of his mind when he sees this. The king cried aloud, verse 7, Bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. So he calls these guys in. Verse 8. Then, the, uh, then uh, came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Now, if you've been with us the last several weeks, if we studied the book of Daniel, I mean, it's getting a bit ridiculous, right? Uh, time and time again, Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, now Belshazzar, they call on these wise men, these astrologers, and every time they're like, tell us what it means. And every time they can't do it because the world will never have sufficient answers when it comes to eternity, when it comes to real matters of life. And uh, so they come in and they're like, man, I, I can't do it. Verse number nine. Then was, the, uh, then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. And so uh, uh, now uh, everyone is worried. This hand shows up, writes something on the wall. They don't know what it says, and uh, kind of changed the whole atmosphere of the party, no doubt. And that brings us to our second point this morning. If you want to make the most of your time, pursue wisdom and never stop learning. Pursue wisdom and never stop learning. So we've got to protect ourselves from harmful influences, our hearts and minds. But then we've got to pursue wisdom and never stop learning. Because notice what happens next in verse number 10. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. Now this queen was, was most likely not Belshazzar's wife. It was probably Nebuchadnezzar's um, wife. This was the widow of Nebuchadnezzar. She was uh, like the mother queen, a very wise woman. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts uh, trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. So she uh, comes in with some respect. Verse number 11. There is a man in thy kingdom. There is a man in thy kingdom. In whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, uh, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, uh, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Verse number 12, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Everybody say Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? And so uh, they call in Daniel. Now, like I said, uh, the time period from chapter number 4 to chapter number 5 is 23 years. And so at this point in Daniel's life, he's an older man. He's in his 80s. And uh, uh, Daniel, I think it's significant, was not at this party. He was not uh, there in the banquet hall. They had to go and find him. And, and they bring him in, and the queen says, hey, this Daniel that you need to talk to, th this Daniel, he, he's pretty amazing. And she lists all these uh, descriptors and attributes of Daniel. She said he, he has light. That would be insight. He has understanding. He has wisdom, excellent spirit, knowledge, explaining hard sentences. He can dissolve doubts. And here is Daniel. Basically, she gives every kind of descriptor she can to say Daniel has a lot of wisdom and he has a lot of knowledge. And here's Daniel. He's in his 80s. A lot of time has passed. He hadn't really been in the spotlight. And what do we find him doing? He's still learning. He's still growing. He's still characterized by wisdom. 
See, no matter where you are in life, no matter what stage of life you're in, I want to encourage you, pursue wisdom and never stop learning. Daniel was, was still characterized by wisdom, and he was still learning. Billy Graham said this, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. We are to continually and constantly grow and learn and further our knowledge of Jesus. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 12. Applying thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Proverbs 19, verse number 8 says, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall, uh, shall find Good. And so no matter what stage of life we're in, we've got to constantly be learning and pursuing wisdom. The Bible tells us to get wisdom with everything that we have. The Bible tells us in James that if any of us lack wisdom, which we all do, uh, we, we all need wisdom. If any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give to all men liberally. That means he's not going to hold it back. God doesn't want to just keep wisdom from us. He wants to give us wisdom for our families and for our relationships and for our jobs and for our uh, co-workers and all these areas of life. God wants to give us wisdom. And so we ought to pursue wisdom and never stop learning. Uh, learn a new instrument. Keep on reading. Uh, learn, a new, learn a new hobby. Uh, learn, learn, keep on learning, keep on pursuing wisdom and knowledge. And, and, and uh, when it comes to everything else, if there's anything that we're going to uh, glory in, if there's anything that we're going to really pursue in our lives, Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 9, 24, but let him that glorieth glory in this. If you're going to be proud of anything in your life, if you're going to be boastful of anything in your life, it ought to be this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth for uh, in these things I delight, saith the Lord. See, see, we ought to boast and say, I just want to know Jesus. I just want to get to know him. I want to keep on learning more and more about my Savior. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know Jesus. I want to pursue him with everything that I have. We ought to never stop pursuing wisdom and never stop learning more and more about Jesus. That's what uh, Jeremiah tells us, to pursue the knowledge of God. Now, notice how our story continues in verse number 16. He says this, and I have heard of thee. And so Belshazzar, he, he heard about Daniel. That thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck, and thou shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. And so, uh, so Belshazzar says, Daniel, if you can interpret this dream, if you can tell me, or excuse me, if you can interpret this writing on the wall, if you can tell me what it means, then I'm going to give you all of these rewards. I'm going to give you a gold chain. You're going to be the third ruler in the kingdom. Uh, I'm going to give you money and gold. I'm going to give you all of these things if you can interpret this writing. Verse number 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself. He says, you can keep them. He said, I, 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 don't need, I don't need money. I don't need gold. I don't, I don't need all this stuff. Why? Because Daniel understood that the Babylonian Empire was coming to an end. The prophet Jeremiah had already foretold of this. He knew that, that, that the Babylonian Empire was about to be destroyed. He said, what, what good does it do me to have a promotion if it's not going to last? And I don't need this money. I don't, I don't need all these temporary accolades. And I just want to tell you today that, that if we're going to advance the cause of Christ, and if we're going to reach people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus, then we need some men and women that say, I don't care about getting honored and recognized from the world. You, you can keep all that stuff. You can have, you can have this whole world. Just give me Jesus. David said, you can have all that. I don't need all that money and all that, all those things. I'll, I'll give you the interpretation, but just go ahead and keep, 
your gifts. He goes on in verse number 17, and give thy rewards to another. Give it to somebody else. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. And so, so uh, Daniel, we find him, and he's pursuing wisdom. And, and uh, all, all the queen mentions all these descriptors about the life of Daniel. And that brings us to our third point this morning. If we want to make the most of the time that God's given us, number three, pay attention to those who have gone before. Pay attention to those who have gone before. If you're still with me this morning, would you say amen? amen. We're going to look at verse number 18. O thou king, the most high, God gave Nebuchadnezzar, uh, thy father, a kingdom and a majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew and whom he would uh, he excuse me, in whom he would he kept alive, in whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. Verse number 20. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was uh, deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven out from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts and, and uh, he, his dwelling was with the wild asses, the donkeys. They, they fed him with grass like oxen and his body uh, was wet with dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth uh, over, over it whomsoever he will. So basically what is Daniel doing here? He's giving him a little bit of a history lesson right? He's, he's reminding him and telling him exactly what we talked about last week, about how Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up with pride and, and, uh, and uh, how he was brought low and how he was turned, uh, his mind uh, turned into this mind of an animal and his fingernails grew out and his hair grew out and in seven years he lived in obscurity. Why? Because of his pride. And what is Daniel doing here? He's saying, Belshazzar, I'm giving you this history lesson because you need to be reminded about those who have gone before. Why? you're making the exact same mistake. See, if we do not learn from those who have gone before, we'll end up making the exact same mistakes. And we need to pay attention to those that have gone before. The Bible says this in Romans 15, verse number four, whatsoever things were written aforetime, speaking of the Old Testament, these things like we're reading this morning in Daniel chapter number five, these things that were written aforetime were written, why? For our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. See, there's a reason why we have the Old Testament. There's a reason why we have these things. They're for our learning, for our examples, so that we will pay attention to these things and learn from them so we don't make the exact same mistakes. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 through 11. Now, these things were our examples. Everybody say examples. Examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as, as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as were some of them as it as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, uh, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye and complain as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of, uh, of the destroyer. Now all these things, watch this. Now all these things happened unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Can I ask you this morning, what lessons are you learning from the previous generation? Whose example are you following? Are, are you learning from those that have gone before? Several weeks ago, we had Dr. Don Sisk. He was up here on the stage. How many of you were here when, when uh, missionary Don Sisk was here? 
and uh, he's been in the in the ministry I think 60 some years something like that and and uh, he, he's preached in some 80 different countries something like that preached the gospel and and uh, after the service we went out to eat and I just was sitting there and I was just listening to him talking and I was making sure that I wasn't talking too much I just was asking a couple questions I just want to listen and learn from those that have gone before us and so Daniel gives Belshazzar this clear warning you need to pay attention you're making the exact same mistake as your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar So how can we make the most of the time that God has given us? Number four, we need to put into practice what we already know. Put into practice what you already know. And I see this principle found, excuse me, within verse number 22. If you're there, would you say amen? Amen. Verse number 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. Daniel said, Belshazzar, you knew all of this. You were completely aware of Nebuchadnezzar's downfall. You were completely aware of all of this, and yet you still chose to reject God. You you knew all of this. You had the right information, but you didn't do anything with the information that you had. You didn't put into practice something that you already know. And and so often we go throughout life and we want new tips and tricks for better living. And we want, you know, a life hack to make things easier. And we're always looking for something new. When many times we just need to be reminded of what God already told us and some things that we already know. See, the problem with Christians has never been a lack of information. It's always been a lack of application. Because only information plus application will lead to a transformation. If you want something to be different in your life, you can't just have the right knowledge. You've got to do something with that knowledge. And many times our problem as Christians is we are educated well beyond our level of obedience. We have so much information, but we're not doing what we need to do with that information. Belshazzar knew. Daniel said, you knew all of this, but you didn't do anything about it. The Bible tells us this in the book of James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Can I ask you this morning, what do you need to put into practice? What is something that you already know that you need to start doing? There's another verse in James chapter 4, verse number 7. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, if you, if you know something that you should do, but you're not doing it, that's sin. See, there are sins of commission. Those are things that we do. Those are sins that we commit. And then there are sins of omission. Those are things that we know we should do, but we don't do them. What are we not doing that we know we should do? If you ask that question to yourself, it'll change your perspective on life. What what do I uh, need to be doing that I know is right, but I'm just not doing? Now, notice this story goes on in verse number uh, 24. Then was part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. So now, after Daniel kind of corrects Belshazzar and tells him, this is why this this foretold destruction that's coming, uh, it's because you knew all this, and you didn't do anything about it, and you rejected God. Now now we're going to get to the interpretation. What did that, when that hand showed up and started writing, what did it say, and what did it mean? Verse number 25. And this is the writing that was written. Meanie, meanie, tikul, eupharsin. Now, I remember growing up, I love this passage because I always just thought that was super fun to say. <laughs> meanie, meanie, tickle you farson. It's great. And this leads us to our final point this morning. If you got one more point in, would you say amen? amen? Number five, how can we make the most of the time that God has given us? Number five, prioritize your life with the things of God. 
Prioritize your life with the things of God. And here we come to the heart of the message and the interpretation that, that Daniel is going to give. And, and uh, meeny, meeny, tikul, yufarsin, the, the language is Aramaic. And it's three words with one word repeated. The word meeny is repeated. And Daniel tells us exactly what it means. Notice verse number 26. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meeny, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. This was the first part of the interpretation. Belshazzar, your time is up. You've been partying. You've been living like there's no tomorrow. You, you, you don't have a care in the world. You're rejecting God, but now your days are numbered. Your time is up. You've been wasting your time. You've been living, you've been living like there's no tomorrow, but now it's all coming to an end. Your time is up. Your number is up. Your time is finished. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 90, verse number 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Belshazzar, your time's up. The second part of the interpretation, Tikal, verse number 27, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. You've been weighed in God's balance, Belshazzar, and you're found wanting. You're a lightweight. God's righteousness is on the scale and you're over here and you don't measure up. You fall short. And can I tell you this morning that we are all in the same boat as Belshazzar. According to God's righteousness, we can try all we want. We can try to live great lives. We can try to protect ourselves from those harmful influences and live a good, clean life. And we can try to be good people, but we will always fall short. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Just as Belshazzar, he didn't measure up, he fell short. So do we. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he says, he says your, your time is up. Your days are numbered. You're found a lightweight. You, you fell short. And then the last part of the interpretation is the word Perez, which is the singular form of the word Eupharsin. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. He says, your kingdom is divided. It's now going to be destroyed because you rejected God. And historically, Daniel chapter number five is the end of the Babylonian empire. Because the Medes and the Persians, they invaded the city that night and they destroyed the city. Notice what it says in verse number 29. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Why the third ruler? Because uh, Nabonidus was still uh, ruling and then, and then we have Belshazzar and now Daniel's gonna be the third ruler and, and uh, he gives him this promotion that Daniel didn't even want. Belshazzar completely ignored the warning. God wrote this on the wall and said, your time is up. And he said, oh, okay. Thanks, Daniel. Here's a gold chain and let, let's celebrate this. And then notice what it says in verse number 30. In that night, the same night, was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. Just like that, the party's over. I wrote in my Bible next to that verse, party's over. History tells us that the Medes and the Persians, they did not penetrate through the walls. They actually just diverted the Euphrates River and they were actually able to go under the walls and they killed Belshazzar that night. Just like that. Time's up. One day we will stand before God and we will give an account. One day our time too will be up. And in that moment we'll give an account to God for the good things that we did. And we need to be living in light of that day. So, so what does this mean for us this morning? What can we learn? 
we must prioritize our life with the things of God. Belshazzar was found out of balance. He was out of whack. He prioritized the wrong things. We must prioritize our life, our lives with the things of God. And I want to uh, conclude this message by just giving a quick illustration. If, if whoever has that can, can bring it out, Seth, if you have it, you can set it right here. And I just want to conclude our time together by illustrating this the best I can. Thanks, Seth. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everybody seek first. Everybody say seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so I have, I have a few props this morning. I just want to illustrate this uh, quickly. Is that all right if I do this this morning? Is everybody okay? And so often what happens when it comes to our priorities is we prioritize our life, our lives with, with the small things. And the small things and the non-essentials consume our time, right? And I have, a, I have a picture of Rice Krispies with me this morning. So if, if you're hungry, it's yours after the service. And so often the little things in life, they consume our time. Uh, little things like uh, good things even, but they're just, they're not, they're not the most important things. There's, there's things like uh, sports and, and uh, Netflix and Hulu and our hobbies and vacations and Starbucks trips and books and school and, and uh, practices and parties and all these different things, right? Our, our schedules are always so, so consumed and filled with things. But then when it comes time for some of the big things in life, some of the big rock items, some of the major important things that God has called us to, like our relationship with God, our walk with God. And, and then when it comes time to uh, give to the church and tithe 10%, that, that big rock, we, we try to fit it in there. And then time with our families, and we try to fit that in there. And then time with our, our kids, we try, to fit, we try to fit that in there. And then you know, we, we try to fit these big rocks in. And what happens is we end up getting frustrated because our time is dominated by the little things that we don't make priority for the big things, the essential things that God has for us. And we get so frustrated, we say, I try to fit God in and I try to tithe, but they just raised Netflix uh, to $10 a month instead of seven. And so I don't know. And we get so frustrated. And we say, I've tried to read my Bible and I've tried to spend time with my family and I've tried uh, to do all these different things, but we just end up getting so frustrated. And it's because we fill our lives and we fill our schedules with the non-essentials. And that's why the Bible says this in Matthew 6, 33. There we go. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everybody say first. Okay. It's a good thing I have kids because I wouldn't have props for all my sermon illustrations, right? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And so when we say, you know what? I'm going to prioritize my life with the things of God. I I'm going to have my relationship with God first. That that's a non-negotiable. That's a priority. I'm going to spend time with my spouse. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to make a, a church attendance a priority. These are the big rock items. These are the big things that I want to give to God first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. And then what happens is, is God says, seek ye first the things of God. And then all these things, all these things, all the extra things, all these things will be added until you see what happens is, is we find out that we have time for the extra things. If we put God first and say, hey, you are my number one priority. I want to spend time with you first and foremost. And God says, guess what? I'll take care of the rest. And so let's seek first the kingdom of God. Let's prioritize our life with the things of God and say, God, you deserve first place in my life and watch God take care of the rest of your life. We need to prioritize our life with the things of God. Life is short, eternity is forever. Let's start living with the end in mind. 
James 4, 14, last verse. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.